Okay, so um, just to add a, a thing that I do that I, we could change on here, that third line of the verses, that over the first verse, the word round, I play an A there with the D bass. So you're playing a D bass, it's fine, but I play an A with it, so. I should put this in. Huh? Yeah, so same thing with the other verse, play an A there, not a, not a D too. Other than that, it's pretty straightforward. I was going to do After Amazing Grace, and I, had, I printed up different music because I, I didn't have it written in there. Um. on there too from before so the music you have has it written on there huh okay i won't do jesus loves me this i know i'm just gonna start with yes jesus loves me the bible tells me. we'll just play that a couple times just kind of end the amazing model to you guys for a while and this is what what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of jesus here at the Foothill Vineyard Church. And we said part of it's worshiping God, so that's our Sunday mornings and, and being in community. And that's our vineyard communities. And so the third part is getting equipped through our equip courses. And the last part is doing the stuff, doing something in ministry, being on a ministry team, serving. Okay, serving and living and embodying the Christian life in our community. Um, and so the tables just, I want to, we're talking about the be in community part of that. And these are our vineyard communities. And so um, the Tabers are leading a group every Monday. And over the next month, we're going to just introduce group by group to you guys. And so tell us a little bit about what you guys do and what, what your group's like. Hi, so my name's Jason. This is my beautiful and amazing wife, Melina. Um, so we're just so thrilled to have a community group in our home. Uh, what we really pray is in our group is a multi-generational group because we want to have the voices of everyone in our community group because we can learn from the babies all the way up and uh, just to really come and to be who we really are and just to sort of take off the masks or the weight of the week we start on Monday night seven o'clock so it's a good way to start your week um, just on a good note to challenge one another to grow in the Lord um, to connect um, and to grow as the body of Christ um, to sort of put to the message that we hear on Sunday that's easy to go away and to sort of forget about, but to try to apply it to our lives and to challenge one another and just to really spend time in praying for one another and to let the Lord heal us uh, and challenge us. And so that's um, the heart of our group. And join us tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. So we live in Glendora. So to get a hold of you guys and figure out your address, it's in the bulletin, right? The communicator? Yes. So they, they would like address. email you maybe or something like that? Correct. Yeah, just email us and we'll, we'll give you our address. And yeah, we'd love to see I already that. knew the answer to that, but I just wanted to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tabers. Give them a big hand. Yeah. And then one last thing for our, our Harvest Festival. And I, wanna, I want you guys to pray with us because I think our church can 
be the hands and feet of Jesus in a really unique way this coming Saturday. So in your, in your bulletin, in your communicator, as we call it, there's, a, there's not just one, but there's two or three of these little flyers for our Harvest Festival. If you could pull those out and just look at them. So you have the Harvest Festival, it says it's free, and then the back it says Carnival Games, Mechanical Bull, Inflatables, we have these hamster ball things, we've got great food, it's just going to be a lot of fun, and here's what I would love for you to do. I want you to consider giving this to a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody in your school, give it away and invite them on the journey, Okay? So just give these away and feel free, um, just give them out to people and it's, it's, God will use this as a tool to minister to them, okay? Okay, so um, let me pray for this coming, this coming Saturday from 4 to 7. Um, word is getting out, it's going to be really fun. So let's just pray for this whole thing. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come. And we ask that you would do what only you can do, that there would be uh, people that are reached for the kingdom of God this coming Saturday. So Holy Spirit, come and minister. Lord, we pray for families that get these invite cards, that you would, that they would, uh, they would come onto our campus, that maybe they're unchurched or dechurched or Maybe they don't have any clue, but they would experience the nearness of your kingdom and your love like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so be praying for this coming Saturday. And uh, so we're on part two of the series called Unstuck, How to Rise Above the Worst Day of Your Life. And so the question that we pose at the beginning of the series is, what do you do on the worst day of your life? What do you do when all of life comes crashing down on you in one moment? What do you do? Well, there's this guy in a restaurant. He's looking at his drink, staring. He's been staring at his drink for over a half an hour. And a truck driver enters the restaurant. And the truck driver goes up. He walks into this restaurant like he owns the place. And he goes up to this man that's been staring at his drink for half an hour and he goes right up and he grabs it from this guy and he drinks it and the guy that was staring at his drink he starts to cry and the truck driver says what's wrong i i don't i don't get it like i, I come on it's just a drink and he goes the guy that was sitting there staring at his drink goes you don't understand this has been the worst day of my life everything's gone wrong and the truck driver says come on i'm just playing with you i'll buy you another drink you just got to stop crying and the guy said no no this is the worst day of my life nothing's gone right i slept in late i got to work my boss fired me i'm leaving my work and my car got stolen i get home as i take an uber there and my other vehicle my wife has all, the all of her luggage on top, and she's leaving me. And so I walk down to this restaurant to end it all. And then you show up, and you drink my entire glass. And in that glass was all the poison I had.
<laughs> no, it's not a real story, right? Just a joke. But what do you do on the worst day of your life? What do you do? What do you do? Well, 1 Samuel 30 is a story of what happened on the worst day of David's life. So, and you can read the story, but I'm going to fill you in just a little bit. David and his men have been living in Ziglag, and they go, David and his men come back, and all of their possessions have been stolen, their houses had been burned down, and their families were kidnapped. This is the worst day of David's life, and David's response to how he encounters this worst day of his life is a pattern for us to reclaim all that's been broken and stolen in our lives. And so over the next couple weeks, we're just unpacking what did David do and how did David respond to the very worst day of his life. So last week, we talked about David and his men, they wept until they could weep no more after facing this scenario, this situation. And after they wept until they could weep no more, and we talked about it's okay to weep on the worst day of your life. Sometimes it's the only way to let out all that stuff that's built up, right? And then we talked about weep, but don't get bitter. And we saw David's men getting bitter and angry towards him to the point where they wanted to stone him. So today I want to talk about David's next response. What did he do right after that? And we're going to see that he centered himself in God and worshiped. And then he pushed in and got a word from God for his situation. So that's where I want to go this morning. So as David sat among the ruins of Ziklag and the mutinous men that spoke of stoning him, he had a choice. Does he allow his grief and bitterness to conquer himself or, and, and ultimately give up? Or does he fight back? But before he can fight back, he has to do one thing. He has to regain his courage. And so as David looked around and saw nothing but discouraged men, here's what, so David looked around, saw nothing but discouraged men. Here's what David did. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David found strength in God in that moment. And from what we know from, of David's life, um, David, this Old Testament character, it's easy to imagine how David encouraged himself. Uh, David probably took his heart, heart sorry, his harp, he, he had a heart too, but he probably took his harp and he probably began to sing some songs of worship. Um, and guess what? Through worship, that changes the trajectory of everything in our lives. That will change your trajectory. And that's the first thing David does. He weeps until he could weep no more. He doesn't get bitter. But then he encourages himself in God. David changes his focus. How did David do that? Well, maybe he sang Psalm 34. And actually, I would find it hard to believe that David didn't think of this particular psalm, in his mind at least, as he sought to encourage himself in the Lord. Because David wrote this psalm just 
two years previous when he was delivered from the Philistine, Philistine king Abimelech. Um, so it'd be really easy for me to imagine David sitting there in the heap of ashes in what once was his house and, and singing this song. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That first part, I will bless the Lord at all times. When you can sing that, and it's authentic, that'll change your trajectory. It puts you on a different path. It puts you on a path to recovery at all times, at good times and bad times and troubling times and terrible times in the worst day of your lifetimes. Even on the worst day of your life, God is worthy of praise. David sang songs to God in the middle of burnt-down Ziglag, the city that he was living in. When praise is in your mouth, guess what doesn't come out of your mouth? Grumbling. When praise is in your mouth, griping and groaning, complaining doesn't come out, does it? All of a sudden, you're, pu you're singing what you know where your heart needs to go. There's no grumbling, complaining, and negative speaking. And guess what? When we're worshiping, we encounter God in a unique way that sets our hearts up for the future. We, are, we walk away changed when you enter into worship, guys. And I love the Vineyard Movement in our heart for just this time and space where we get to love on Jesus, love on God. And if you really enter in, if you allow your heart to enter in, it, you walk away changed. My heart changes just a, a little bit every single time. I, I, walk, I, I encounter the awe of God, and it changes me. I, I can't help but being changed just a little bit. My heart lines up more and more with God. I, I start to surrender more and more of my selfishness. Things change. They can't help but change. Jacob Needleman was at the launch of Apollo 17 in December 7, 1972. It was a night launch. And hundreds of reporters were all over the lawn. They're drinking beer. They're cracking jokes. They're waiting for this 35-story rocket to shoot into space. And as Jacob's there, there's the countdown. Three, two, one, launch. And at first, all D Jacob's writing this. He said, all you could see is this white light that is blinding. You can almost barely look at it. And then you see the rocket start to go up even before you hear the sound because they were so far away that the sound didn't reach them yet. And then all of a sudden, he said, you heard this thunder, like this, this, um, this sound that was like nothing you've ever heard before. And it comes rushing towards you. It literally, it literally goes right through you. It roars through you. And then he said there's this beautiful blue flame that looks like a star. 
everybody in that grassy field stares in wonder. Total silence. And he said, Jacob was writing about this experience, and he said, afterwards, it was really interesting, as people encountered this, their response. Because people just got up quietly, they helped each other up, they were kind and polite and thoughtful, they opened doors for each other, um, they were compassionate and kind towards people that were arguing ahead of time, Husband and wives that were like in an argument, they were all of a sudden kind. And Jacob said this, they were suddenly moral people because of the sense of wonder. You guys, worship changes us. When we encounter God and we step into worship and you experience the awe of God, you walk away different. Worship is the language of faith. And if you want to strengthen your faith, begin to worship God. In the worst day of your moment, pause. Get yourself together and say, God, I choose to worship you in this moment. Because my heart needs to change right now. Because this is what Paul and Silas did a thousand years later. A thousand years after David. Um, Paul and Silas are imprisoned in a dungeon and you know what they, how they respond? They're unjust. They weren't put there for any good reason, right? They were sharing the gospel. They were doing kingdom ministry. They get thrown in prison. And instead of griping, groaning, complaining, you know what they do? They start to worship. And the end result is so awesome, right? The end result is the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened. It changed them, and it changed their physical thing that they were living in. The moment David began to encourage himself in the Lord, he placed himself on a trajectory to turn his whole situation around. You, if you're in the worst day of your life, the first thing you can do after you compose yourself, you weep till you can weep no more, make sure that your heart doesn't grow bitter, but you step into worship. Worship God. And the moment David began to encourage himself in the Lord, he placed himself on this trajectory to turn his whole situation around. So David encouraged, he found strength in the Lord. Now it's time for David to seek a word from God. So David prayed, waited, listened, and then it came. And it was what he needed most of all what he, what he ultimately needed is he needed God to speak to him about what to do. How does he respond? He needed the word of the Lord for that specific situation. And it was unmistakable when it came. It didn't come to his head, but it came to his heart. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but God does not speak to our mind, but to our spirit. It wasn't a vague impression it was a very clear sentence spoken by the Spirit of God to the deepest part of David's soul. And this is what God spoke to David. Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You know what God's saying? Yes, get up, rise up, go after, and you're going to recover all. 
every bit that has been taken away, you're going to recover everything. 1 Samuel 38. This is the word of the Lord for David. And in Hebrew, this is ten words. These ten words take three seconds to utter, to speak. David may have sought the Lord for hours, but in three seconds, David had everything he needed to go a completely different direction, to reclaim everything that had been taken and stolen from him, his life, and his men's life. Okay, this is the power of a word from God for you and me. That's the power. It changes everything. When you're in trouble, what you need most of all is faith. And really, it's that simple. It's that faith is the victory to overcome. But where does faith come from, right? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God, it renews our minds, it destroys doubt, it develops faith in our heart, and to understand how faith comes to a person, especially in times of great crisis, it's helpful to understand how the New Testament uses the word, word, okay? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I want to talk about that word right there, okay? Um, when the New Testament says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, there's a particular Greek word that's used here, and it's the word rhema. Now, rhema is different from another Greek word used for word, and that's logos. And the difference between these two words, so when they're translated in English, it's just word and word for us, okay? But when it's translated into English, we get one word, but in the Greek New Testament, you'd have two different words used quite often in the New Testament. And the difference between these two words is, you could say subtle, but it's also very significant for us, okay? So, uh, logos is primarily word as an idea, a concept, a reason, a logic, and it's related to what is timeless. So Jesus is the word. Jesus is timeless. The, we talk about the word of God is this timeless, time, there's timelessness to this, this, the word of God, the written word, okay? Um, so it's related to what is timeless. It is especially referred to the written word, okay? And so just for all those people that are like, Greek, no, like stop. I, I'm not going to go long here. But every once in a while I want to unpack something like this because it's important. Okay, does that make sense? So just hold on just for a minute. It won't take too long. <laughs> so logos occurs in the Greek New Testament 331 times. Rhema, on the other hand, is less common. And it's used about 70 times in the New Testament. And it means a living, spoken word. More specifically, um, it's a particular time and place. Okay? So it's the word for you in the moment. It's what God's trying to communicate to you at a particular time and space. Okay? So for example... When Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter's in the boat, and Peter says, Hey, Jesus, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, Let's go. Come on. 
okay? That was a moment for Peter when, when Jesus says, come. That's a right now moment. God's speaking something directly to him, to Peter. And guess what Peter does? He jumps out of the boat. It was for that moment, that situation, that time, he jumps out of the boat. And just for a moment or two, Peter walks on water. Now, simply reading that Jesus said, come, to Peter doesn't generate faith in you and me to walk on water, does it? Now, now if you don't believe me, just try. <laughs> so if you, and, and so, but Jesus said it directly to Peter. It was a word for Peter in that moment, at that time. Okay? So that specific moment when Jesus said, come to Peter, it was a rhema word for him generating exceptional faith on the worst day of your life exceptional faith is generated when a god gives you a specific word and that's what david pushed into what god are you saying to me in this moment so just like there are multiple word, greek words for the word word there's also multiple Greek words in the New Testament for time, and this is even going to be shorter than the last one, okay? Specifically, chronos and kairos, okay? So chronos has to do with time on the move or measurement of time, and it's fair and accurate to say that chronos is ordinary time, but kairos is different. Kairos is a specific time. It's the right time. It's now time, okay? So kairos is always present, if Kronos is ordinary time, Kairos is special time. Kairos is the opportune moment for you. So let's put it all together. Logos corresponds with Kronos, and Rhema corresponds with Kairos. I don't know if you got that or not. But there is a general word that's applicable at all times. Logos and Kronos. Okay, then there's a specific word that's apl applicable to you in a specific situation. That's rhema and kairos. Okay? So when Jesus specifically calls to you, come, get out of the boat, walk on water, that's a rhema word for you. And 2,000 years ago, it was a rhema word for Peter. It was rhema meeting kairos. It's a specific word at a specific time, and it created a miracle. What David received from the Lord was a specific word at a specific time. And it's what was needed for him to move forward in his worst day of his life. So when you get, when you're in a great trial, always remember God has a specific word for you. God has a rhema word for you in your kairos moment. Um, does that make sense? God has a specific word for you in a specific situation. And I want you to know, like, churches, they have either a tendency to hyperfixate on this or they don't talk about it at all. And we're like that radical middle. We're like, yes, we believe there, this, is, this is true. There is this rhema moment and this kairos moment for you and I where we are saying, God, what are you trying to say to me today? In the worst day of my life, how do I move forward? You've got to figure that out. You've got to push into God and get a word 
from God for yourself. So, when seeking God for a word, I need you to be patient. Don't make up a word in your mind. Uh, seek God until you know God has spoken to your spirit. Uh, it might take some time. It's Most of the time we're like, God, I'll give you five minutes for a word for the rest of my life. Okay, and I, I think it's, I think you need to give God some space to speak. Um, and so it most likely is going to take more than five minutes, but you will know when God speaks. You will know when God speaks to you in that moment where you need, it's the worst day of your life and you're seeking after God, you need a rhema word for right now at this particular time in this particular situation. And I like to view it as thunder in my soul. Thunder in the depths of my being. Go ahead, play that. in your spirit there's this moment where you're like i know that the lord spoke to me and that's what you need you don't need just a general word you need the spirit of god speaking to you because you don't know how to move forward in your life you need thunder in your spirit and when you get that moment it changes everything it changes your trajectory you've sought after the lord you push in saying god i need a word to be able to continue forward, and it changes your whole outlook. It changes your entire future. You guys, I've seen a lot of people get in a lot of trouble as they've tried. They, they said they got a word from God, and all they have is a thought in their mind. Most of the time, it's based off their own desire for something. God doesn't speak to your mind, people. God speaks to your spirit. God is not a cosmic mind. God is spirit, John 4, 24, okay? And so when I talk about getting a word from God, I'm not talking about a vague sense. I'm talking about a specific word. It's not something you get every day, okay? It's that moment where you're saying, God, I can't go on without you speaking. I need to know what your rhema word for this kairos moment is for me, and you push in. So on the worst days, it's easy for our minds to run wild with a thousand different thoughts that come crashing into your mind. That's not the word of God, okay? It's the word of the Lord. The rhema word of God for your kairos moment is something spoken to you by the spirit of God in the recesses, in the depths of your spirit. And you walk away saying, that was just... I, it's the loudest, I always call it the loudest still small voice you could ever hear. Because it resounds in your soul. Okay? So, on my worst days, it's always been a specific word from God that's delivered me. So I'm going to share two of these stories with you. And in July 1989, I was 14 years old. I was eagerly anticipating my future. I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on this outreach. And I was really excited about what God was doing in my life. And we had this devotional time set up in the morning. And I was reading my Bible. 
And as I read my Bible, I was reading Hebrews chapter 5, and I got to this part where it said, you are my son. Now, I knew that that was speaking of Jesus. Okay, God was calling Jesus his son. But when I read it, it was a rhema word and a kairos moment for me. And I had this revelation that I was God's son. I was God's son. I was 14 years old. And I felt like God said, you are my son. Ask for the nations, John. You're my son. Ask for the nations, John. And at a, as a 14-year-old, it was thunder in my soul. And I was like, I just knew that I encountered God. And I didn't realize how important that was until eight years later. And I got a call that my dad had been in a car accident and passed away. And I was 22 years old. And I walked into my house in the middle of the night with the rest of my family sitting around in these chairs. And they said, Dad was in a car accident last night. And we broke down in tears. And over the next week, I heard thunder in my soul saying, John, you're my son. John, you're my son. And I didn't. I, I mean, the realization I didn't have, like, an earthly father anymore, like, he had passed away, saying, okay, I'm fatherless. And every time I would think about that, I sensed God's Spirit speaking to me, like, when I was 14 years old, it was thunder in my soul, you are my son. You're my son. And I couldn't, it's almost like any time my thought process started to go somewhere, God would remind me, you're you're my son. Let me fast forward it 20 years. 20 years later, I was sitting in my family room in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We had moved there from Pasadena, right down the road here. And my soul was restless. I was discontent with Southern culture. My grace to minister in the Deep South had dried up. I loved my church to death, but I realized I wasn't having a very good time loving my city, and I didn't understand that. I was trying to navigate, and I was trying to discern what God was trying to communicate to my life and to my heart and my family. Um, and just to give you a frame, it'll, it might, the church that I was leading there was the Baton Rouge Vineyard Church. It was doing great. Awesome. Like, things were cooking there. Like, we had been there over seven, almost eight years. Life was good. I had an amazing staff. The church had grown like three times. Uh, the people, pe people were learning to, like, do our mission statement. They were loving the community with extravagant love. And they were giving sacrificially. And they were giving their lives for God's kingdom. And, like, I loved it. It was like... The rewards of especially my early years there, they were all coming back. There was rewards there because I had served the city and the people so long. So all this is so good. The church life is amazing. And my soul was off. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, God, what is going on? Like, why? Like, I should be in this amazing place. 
And then I heard four words that changed my life completely. God spoke four words to me clearly. It wasn't a vague impression. It was a sentence from the voice of God. It was not audible, but it was clearer than if it had been audible. It was like thunder in my soul. And God said to me, call Foothill Vineyard Church. And the next day, I don't know, I mean, I kind of told this story before, but the next day, I called Tom. I, I went into the office at church, and I called Tom Dunn, and I said, hey, Tom, this is John, and we we're just chatting. And after we talked for about 10 minutes, I had said thank you, because you guys gave our church in Baton Rouge $10,000 when our city flooded. We had 19 families in our church that flooded, that were displaced out of their homes. And you guys gave $10,000 to that. And so I said, Tom, it's, it's, been almost, it's been almost a year now since that happened. I, wanna, I know that we sent you a letter saying thank you, but I want to verbally call and say thank you for doing that. We talked 10 minutes, and at the end of the conversation, Tom said, hey, do you know anybody that could possibly lead our church here? And I said, <laughs> thunder in my spirit. And it changed everything. Four simple words. Those four simple words from God changed my life, my family's life. They were a rhema word for me from God in my kairos moment. Now, these are my stories, right? You need your own stories. You need your own stories. When you're facing the worst day of your life, you've got to push in and worship and seek, a word, seek after a word from God for you in that situation. When you're discouraged and ready to quit, God has a word for you. When you're afraid and about to panic, God has a word for you. When your world is falling and you don't know what to do, God has a word for you. When you're facing the worst day of your life and you don't know where to turn, God has a word for you. God has a word for you. Get alone, wait, be in his presence, listen for that still, small voice, listen to the thunder in your spirit. In the Kairos moment, God will give you a rhema word that when those meet together, that's where the miracle happens. And you will regain your courage, and you'll be able to move forward on the worst day of your life. Practical tips. Number one, on the worst day of your life, choose worship. And guess what? It's really hard to choose worship. But on the worst day of your life, if you're able to choose worship, it'll change the trajectory. All of a sudden, the, it, it, when you're worshiping, you can't gripe, groan, criticize, complain. You can't do any of that because your heart is moving towards our Heavenly Father, the Fatherhood of God, okay? So choose worship. Through worship, David changed his focus. Worship is the language of faith. Turn on some worship music and just practice worshiping in your pain and sadness. 
Maybe you can't even bring yourself to sing. Just raise your hands and let the tears fall and offer yourself to God. On the worst day of your life, don't forget to worship. And number two, on the worst day of your life, push into and listen for a word from God for you and your situation. Be still and ask God to speak to you. Be still and let God actually speak to you. Some ways God can speak to us is through scripture. Like the first way when I said, you are my son, that was, I was reading the text and the text became alive. Okay? So it's the written word, the logos sometimes turns into the rhema word for us. And we sing the, yes, Jesus loves me. Okay, so that would be like, that's a logos issue. We all, it's written in the word, yes, God loves us, but let me tell you, if you're here and you've never heard God say to you, yes, I love you, that it turns, it goes from a logos into a rhema word, and all of a sudden, it makes sense, and you can live it out, and it's real to you. So it's the difference between cognitively knowing something and understanding something, and our heart getting it. And that's what we need. We need both. We can't just be one or the other. It's both and for us, okay? So some ways God can speak to you is through scripture, a thought that is not your own, a picture, image in your mind's eye, or, a th or through another person. If you're having a hard time hearing God speak, go and receive some prayer today and let God encourage you through another person. Now that last part... I put it there, but I want you to know I don't want to take away the tension that you might feel today for pushing into your own word from God. I think God has a word for you if you want to push in and say, God, I need to know what you're thinking about this situation at this time for me in my life. Okay? So I want you to live with that tension. Yes, get some prayer today, but you should go out of here, and if that's you, you're experiencing a horrible situation, push into that and see what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you. And number three, take a personal retreat or a four-hour break or an hour walk. Go and be with God in creation. Breathe in this beautiful mountain air. Look around. Listen for the Holy Spirit and feel His presence with you. Like, And I say that because some of us just need space and time to be with God, okay? So a lot of times we pack our lives so full, you get to know that, like, we live in the most beautiful, I always say God spent more time in Southern California than, like, anywhere else in the world, and yet so many people don't even get outside to take a walk, and go, go to our mountain and just take a walk and be with God and let God speak to you, okay? Let's all stand. song, and um, as we're singing this song, uh, we're going to open it up for ministry time, so if you're here, and you just, the Holy Spirit's doing something in you, maybe stirring you, maybe doing something brand new, maybe calling you to push in for a word, I want to encourage you to get some prayer this morning. Uh, if you're here and you're trying to discern whether a word is from God, and you're maybe a little bit, it's a little 
you, I'm going to encourage you to get some prayer. Or maybe you're here and God is doing something else. I want to encourage you to get some prayer this morning. Um, in our pre-service prayer, um, there's somebody that had a sense that there's somebody here with a, a stiff neck. And it's really been bothering you. And you maybe you even mentioned it this morning. We'd love to pray for that. Um, another thing that came up during prayer is you're one of those people that you've just never been able to quiet yourself. And you just need to hear God's still small voice, but but you just need some space to say, God, I want to hear what you're doing. Or maybe you're here and just another thing that came up this morning. You just maybe you've kind of lost your first love this morning. You've lost that first love, that connection with God, and you need to restore that. God's grace and mercy is here to piece you back together, to love you, to set your heart on fire for Him again. And the last thing um, that came up this morning is there's broken relationships. Um, and maybe specifically in family situations where that's like on the tip of your brain and you're saying, I need prayer for that. And part of the word continued and it was more of that there's pride that might even stopping you from having that conversation. So um, let's why don't we have a prayer minister? Keep coming up. If you need prayer, our prayer partners would love to pray for you. Let's sing this song together as a prayer to God, as, as a worship, as our hearts saying, God, here we are. Lord, speak to us. So even during this song, let's be open to what the Spirit wants to say.